Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So a few months ago, a wonderful group of y'all came together to help me get the word out about my new prayer journal every single moment. We had the best launch team. I am so grateful for their help. Well, at the end of the launch, as a thank you, my husband Carl and I hosted a special Facebook Live hangout where the launch team got to ask us any questions they had about singleness, dating, engagement, marriage, sex, boundaries, faith, friendship, and more. Nothing was off limits. It wasn't quite a girls' night. Well, actually, I guess it was. It was just a girls' night plus Carl, but either way, I loved it. Here are just a few of the questions we got to answer. One woman asked, when you and Carl were dating, how did you enjoy the rest of your dating season when you knew marriage was on the table? I want to enjoy dating, but I'm itching for the next step. Another woman asked, how do you make time to be your own person while still making time to pour into your marriage? And guys, I'm telling you, that's just the beginning. The women asked such good questions, questions I know so many of us have wrestled through, and I love the wisdom and insight Carl got to share in response. He had such great advice, and that's why I knew we had to share this conversation at Girls' Night. My favorite part of the episode was when Carl compared guys to dinosaurs. Keep an ear out for that. I will never forget that analogy. It was so good. It made me laugh so hard, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. But before we dive in, while we're on the topic of navigating our single and dating lives, I am so excited to say that registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is opening up again on February 10th. Guys, I'm so excited about this, and we would love to have you join us. Now, if this is your first time hearing about the course, let me tell you just a little bit about it. Love Your Single Life is the only digital course and study for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step system to help you savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. Here are just a few of the things we talk about in this four-week course. We talk about how to really start enjoying your single life and making the most of every moment. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. I'll teach you how to find good quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to invest in your friendships, in your relationship with God, in your calling, in your passions, and in yourself. We'll talk about what to do with your sex drive while you're single, because unfortunately, it doesn't wait to show up until we're married, right? We'll talk about how to stay close to your girlfriends even when you're in different stages of life, and that's just the beginning. So again, registration for the course only opens up twice a year, and the next time is on February 10th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. The other thing is I know that some of you may be listening to this after February, and that is totally fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and that way you'll be the first to know next time the course is opening back up. I cannot wait to share this with y'all. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with my sweet husband, Carl Wilson. This is Carl. We're here. (laughs) Guys, I'm so excited to be hanging out today. Um, We're just getting settled and uh, Carl has all of y'all's questions on his iPad. Carl, do you want to introduce yourself and... Tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. That's not. Um, <laughs> my name is Carl. I always struggle with the fun fact. What I do is that I help people build their dreams. 
we work with we awesome work with, title. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just work with people who have a vision for a brand or a business or um, a company or nonprofits and stuff like that, and we help them look and sound and feel like they're like the way they want to. And you do branding and websites and stuff like that. It's all that cool. It's actually pretty cool. Kind of. I feel like I'm going to throw you under the bus here a little cool. bit, but Great. you, uh, we've yeah. mentioned this a couple of times, but you've done some really cool things in your business. You've done some album covers some, for some country artists. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? We, I don't know. They're just different artists of all, all shapes and sizes. We just finished one, a uh, new one for Scotty McCreary which will be really fun. It's a collection of, I think it, it's a collection of like kind of live recordings and exclusive kind of, it's called soundcheck sessions and it's stuff. I think it's what's been called, but maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe Pretend you didn't hear that. Maybe it's a secret. But I think it's like, one. yeah, like soundcheck kind of recordings and stuff like that. Some behind the scenes kind of stuff. So that should be pretty cool. And then my good friend, Russell Dickerson um, is just killing it right now and doing a great job. If you're a fan of country music, I'm sure you know Russell and you're a fan of Russell and as you should be, he and, his wife are amazing people. And so and Kaylee's been on the podcast a couple of yeah. times. So we'll link to that somewhere and make sure that you guys have access to that. Cause I loved her episodes. I love yeah, that. Good. So, um, guys, I just, uh, I'm so excited about this. We ha- did a call for questions from you guys to, to, you know, hear what you're like struggling with or where you could use some extra help. And, So we have a whole list in front of us and we want to do as much as we can to get through as many of them as we can. And so, okay. So Carl, do you want to, Carl has the iPad. So Carl's going to be asking the questions. Oh, Uh, Carl, And maybe I would say, because I don't want, I don't want girls to feel like their questions are put on the spot. So maybe just say. Yeah. I won't read the names. Okay. Yeah. No names. So if you ask a question. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. First question. What is God teaching you right now? (laughs) Okay. For me. I feel like I'm learning a lot about prayer lately, uh, which is great because I just had a prayer journal come out last week. <laughs> but really, I, I've i been, you know, we all have seasons in our faith where we feel closer to God and we talk to him more and we have seasons when we feel a little bit further away. And I'm in a, in, in a season where I'm realizing all over again how close God really can be to us. And so, and I have to say, like, it's not always like this. I have, I have times where I completely, like, you know, where I go way too long without praying, you know, just like we all do. And so this isn't like, this is, this is a, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like when you, you hear someone say something and you're like, okay, well, of course it's like this all the time for you. That's not the case. Um, I'm just like anybody else. Yeah. Uh, It takes, it takes practice and it takes like intentionality. Yes. Yes. But I'm just in a time with God where I'm remembering that I can talk to him all the time and that I can pray about little things and he actually answers them. And it's been really cool because there have just been some really specific little but important prayers that I've prayed lately that God has answered so directly that I'm just so sure it's him. And that's been really cool, especially because I think we all have times like this where we're praying about really big things and it feels like we're not getting an answer as quickly as we're wanting to. But I, you know, I was talking to him about it this morning that these little answers to prayer are giving me so much more patience and faith for those big prayers that I'm praying. So I'm just learning that I can just chat with God all the time and that he listens and he answers. What are you learning? So some friends and I, some guys and I meet on Monday mornings and we um, do a Bible study really early on Monday mornings. And we're going through this book right now that's basically walking through the context and the history surrounding the book of Acts 
and what it was like to actually live during the time that the early church was growing and, and what early Christian life looked like. And so it's brought up a lot of really cool things in comparison of how that is now. And, and that's been really convicting, but also really enlightening, I think, to look and see how a lot of the things I think we take for granted the, and that like, maybe it was easier then, or maybe like, oh, you knew Jesus. So of course you believed in him or like, of course it was easy to know these things. And I don't think that was the case. Like, I think that there's a lot of stuff that like was really, really hard about being a Christian and, and, a lot of the same things about starting a church and developing community. And what did community look like then when you were so associated with this, this group of people for really kind of an uncommon or outside belief, especially early on, has been really cool and really encouraging as well to just see that community has always been a part of the plan. And community has always been like from Jesus and, and surrounding himself with disciples and other people um, who would, would travel with them and learn from him. But also in the beginning days of the church, it was always about discipleship and it was always about church planting and it was always about community. And that's encouraging um, to me in, in so many ways that, that that's always been God's intention is that we don't have to do this alone and we're actually meant to do it together. So I think that's, I don't know, appropriate. I love that. I love that. Um, we had one question pop up um, mm -hmm. about how do you try to create space for God? And I get this because our days are so yeah. busy and we have so much going on and it's so easy to just fly through a day and then realize, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to him at all. So two things that I would say, one, this is sort of a mindset shift. I think we we feel like we have to have this really carved out time for God and then we go on with, with the rest of our life. But part of this thing that I've been practicing of just talking to God all the time is remembering that God is in everything and it's not, he's not, if our life was like a pie graph and we have it divided into, you know, work and friends and family and working out and, you know, adult stuff or whatever, God's not a slice of the pie. God is the pie and inviting him into every bit of that pie is really, it just really makes a big difference. And I think that that's what I've been seeing a lot is that we can really invite God into everything. And that's why I'm so excited about every single moment, my new prayer journal, because we, we, in it, there's so many prayer prompts that talk to you about all these different parts of your life. And, and really that's what it is in over a hundred days, you're inviting God into these different parts of our lives that I think we usually segment away from him, just not realizing that he has something to say about them. So that's one thing. But then um, when we're talking about a prayer journal or something, there's the question of, okay, but how do I like make time to go through something like mm -hmm. a prayer journal? And I would say, and this feels very like applicable to my life right now. I would say that it's like working out when you need to work out, but you aren't because <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. Um, but as I think about it, I tend to be all or nothing. Like either I'm going to go to the gym for like an hour a day or take a class every day. It's going to be a big deal or nothing, or I'm going to do nothing. Yeah. And I think that it's so much easier if we implement, if we spend 10 minutes a, a day, three times a week or something like that, moving our bodies a little bit. And we start to feel better because of it. And we start to enjoy it and see that it's possible. And so then we can take a step deeper. I would say that that's the same for prayer journaling or spending time with God, if like concentrated time, because that's important too. It's it's important to have quality time, not just quantity, I guess. Yeah. But so with quality time, I think it's, you know, we, we want to be all or nothing. We want to be like, all of a sudden I'm spending an hour a day in my Bible. I think it's a lot easier if we say, what if we just spend five minutes a day yeah. and then you can build up from there. So that's kind of a 
quick answer, um, but I wanted to make sure we threw that in as yeah. Um, as we're talking about that, what's the next question? Well, just one more thing on that, as I think that one of the things I, I mentioned this group on Monday mornings, and that's huge for me in having another thing that like I'm accountable to, right? So this group of people, there's only four of us. And so it's obvious if you're not there, but like, <laughs> it's really easy then for somebody like to text you and say, Hey, like, are you coming? Are you going to be there? And there has to be that commitment. There has to be that buy-in. And I've been a part of different groups like this throughout, you know, different times in, in life. And I am grateful for it every time. And it is a bit of a sacrifice to like get up extra early and, and go and do that. But the depth of the relationship is really good, but also just starting your day that way, starting your week that way and having that like it's one of the many things that like starts to just build habit and build like discipline into your life to say like, no, I know that if it's just up to me, I'm not going to get up at 630 and, and read my Bible, but I will get up at 630 and go have breakfast with people and talk about the Bible. And so finding ways to invite other people into that and, and have a little bit of healthy accountability, I think is, has worked for me really well. Okay. The next question how do you both make time to be your own person while still making time to pour into your marriage? And I think that this isn't true. I get that it's about marriage, but also um, there's another question about it, it comes up a lot in dating, right? Like especially dating when you feel like, you know, a engagement or proposal is is coming. You know, how do you how do you manage that? And then even, you know, early on in dating, I think it comes into play with how you manage like time. How much time do I spend with this person? I'm really excited that I'm dating this Mm -hmm. new person, but also like, I know my friends are still important and I want to make the most of the time where I'm, I'm single and not married and and all of that stuff. And so I think it's, it's applicable in a variety of stages of life. And even, yeah, once you get married, it's still super applicable. One thing I would say is like, I'm glad that you brought up how it's, how it, this question applies in all these different Mm -hmm. stages Because one thing that I feel like I needed some grace for when we were first dating was when you first start dating someone, it's consuming and intoxicating. And you're just, you're beginning this love story and you're finding out all about this person and you want to be with them all the time. And I think that we really beat ourselves up for that. And I also think we really beat our friends up for that. Mm -hmm. But I would say that there is a, there is a time and a place for that. I think it's beautiful to let yourself sort of tumble into love in the beginning and to have your life be just slightly off balance for a while. Mm -hmm. I think it shouldn't be that way forever and it shouldn't be that way for a long time. But I think that if you sort of fall off the map for the first two months of your dating relationship, because you're just so into each other and you're finding out all about each other, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. And I think that we should have more patience for ourselves and for our friends, specifically for our friends. Um, when it comes to this, I had some friends, I got on some friends cases when they did that. And I had some friends get on my case when you and I did that. Um, and then I had those friends come back and say, Hey, I'm really sorry about that (laughs) because it's just a really sweet time. And I think we need to let each other and let ourselves have that time. But that being said, we can't, our relationship can't be the only thing about our lives forever. We, we need our friends and we need our alone time and we need our time for everything else. And so, so I think at first, I think it's like, we can give ourselves some space to be a little bit off balance, but after that, what would you say? I think that, that whether you're, like I said, whether you're married or whether you're dating or whatever, I think that part of it is that you can find things that you love doing together, but also there shouldn't be the expectation that you abandon the things that you don't do together. 
that you're allowed to have separate interests. You're allowed to have different things that you like and the other person doesn't like doing. And that can be really, I think that's really healthy. I think it's still really healthy for us to pursue things on our own and to have our own hobbies, to have our own interests and the, like the space that comes with that, I think is actually a really good thing that, that sometimes we just, especially different personality types and all that kind of stuff. We sometimes need, sometimes introverts need a little bit of room and that's healthy and that's good and that's okay. And so creating space for that and not creating the expectation that you, uh, you do everything together. And if you don't, you're unhealthy. Like that is, I think that that some people believe that lie and it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you, if one person really likes going to the movies and the other person doesn't like going to the movies, like you find ways to compromise around that one. Like I like to go hit golf balls and I have no expectation that Stephanie comes <laughs> to the driving range with me and like does that if she wanted to, like, absolutely, of course. But also I'm not, you know, forcing that or, or anything like that. And then I think too, really intentionally making time for your friends, right? Making time for guy friends, making time for girlfriends to go do that stuff. Part of what's really important about that space and continuing to build those friend relationships is that they offer insight and wisdom and accountability and perspective into your relationship and into other parts of your life that either you know your spouse is too close to or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever is too close to. And that can be a really good thing to help work through some of that stuff together and help, you know, get just a different perspective on those things. But if you have shut down some of those relationships, or you're not continuing to pursue growth in those relationships, then you're not, they're not going to be close enough to be able to speak into that thing, like the truth and the, and, and the um, trust isn't going to, isn't going to be there. So I think that there's both an activity side of it that like, it's good to have other activities, but there's also a relational part that you shouldn't, we shouldn't put all that pressure on this other person, on your significant other to be all of the things that you need. Like, that's just not realistic. When, you know, you talked about your Monday morning Bible study, when Carl told me that he was going to do that, I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I, you know, it's not like there's like a specific thing that I'm like, yeah, he needs to go work this out with some guys or like, hopefully they'll fix him or whatever. It's not like that, but it's in him being part of that group. It feels like he's investing in our relationship and I'm not even there or like me going to something that Carl's been really amazing about is so many of my best friends live in Colorado and we live in Nashville. And I have some friends who, whose husbands don't like them traveling without them. Mm -hmm. Um, they're like, Oh, I'm going to miss you so much. If you're gone for a week or something, you miss me when I'm gone. We really miss each other when I'm gone. But Carl has made it a priority and made space for me to be able to go home and be with my family and be with my friends for a week at a time. And I'm so grateful for that. And you've said, you know, I, I'm more me with those people in my life. Mm -hmm. And so by you, like letting me go for a week, I, I'm a better wife to you, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's a good, like kind of picture for what it's like. We miss each other when we're not together and when we're not around each other, but at the same time, still letting, like letting that happen, letting that missing happen, because we know that the, the other person's getting so much by, by having that space by themselves. Yeah. We could talk about that for a long time. I yeah, think. we could. But, <laughs> yeah, we well, like, Cause there's other, there's other parts of it. Like yeah. that, that there's, yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's, it's that the person is supportive of the whole you, even the part that like doesn't directly benefit them in that moment. 
right? Like, of course I want you to be here, but I know that in the bigger picture, like that's a good thing or like, yeah. And not having the expectation of putting the weight that like the person is around to be all the things that you need in every minute of every day. Like that's just not realistic. And so. And that's, I mean, that's been a huge part of my course, Love Your Single Life. And a huge part of the way that I wrote every single moment is each section is we're praying or we're working on a different part of ourselves or a different relationship in our lives that actually isn't our significant other, our future significant other, because we are so much better when those relationships are better. And we are, we're, we're not putting unrealistic expectations on our spouse. We're not disappointed when that person can't fulfill every part of us. Mm -hmm. We're able to bring a better self to the table, which makes our relationship so much better. Um, I was talking today to my best friends, Kelsey and Michelle, um, which I feel like you guys have heard (laughs) all about them, but we were just talking about how cool it is the way that we get to be married together. And we were giving just a couple examples of like, I can't even remember what it was, but there was something where you and I were like on totally different pages about something and we were really frustrated and you were frustrated with me and I was frustrated with you. And really, I think I was in the wrong in it. Like I needed to, I needed to put myself in your shoes and I was having a really hard time doing that because I just was standing in my shoes. Well, I talked to Kelsey on the phone and I was able to say to her, I was able to be just really selfish in, in explaining how I was feeling because she wasn't in the situation. So she wasn't going to be as hurt. And she was able to first let me just like say it wrong, you know, (laughs) like say, say the thing where if I came to you and said that because we were both such like just in it, it would have made things worse. I was able to just be really selfish and tell her how I was feeling. And then she was able to tell me what she knew you were thinking and explain it to me just in a different way and just in different words. And I remember being like, okay, like I'm ready to come back. And I was able to be way more fair. And I was right. able to put like, actually see your side. And it's because yeah. I needed someone who knew me well enough and you well enough to like translate for a second, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So anyway. Okay. Next anyway. question. Okay. Diving right in here. What advice would you give to someone who recently messed up sexually? How does one go about forgiving oneself for sexual sin? I think that when you've set a boundary for yourself, And when you've said, I want to do things this way physically, and you don't do things that way, it's hard because you're really disappointed in yourself. And it's hard because it feels like, especially with like sexual stuff, it's like our brains are on one side and our bodies are on the other. And they just like, it's really hard to get them to be on the same page. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it feels like they're sort of warring against each other. And so I totally get feeling frustrated and disappointed and like just a ton of shame when you didn't do what you wanted to do. I think that my fears in that were that I had messed everything up beyond repair. And that like the only way that God would bless me with like a good marriage, the only way that my marriage would be good, the only way that our relationship would be good is if everything was perfect. And it was like, once it's gone, it's gone. Which is funny because Leading up to like, because there was a long time where I was making all kinds of decisions physically. And so that, that like thought doesn't really work. I feel like I was able to accept God's grace and forgiveness and fresh start from like a, you know, one, like a totally different past. But then once I'd made a different decision and said, like, I want to save this for marriage, you know, from here on, if I crossed any sort of line, I felt like then all of a sudden I'd broken it. So like I was... Like I had a fresh start, but then all of a sudden I lost the fresh start and I only got one. And I think that, you know, God doesn't award spouses based on our performance. Thank God. And yeah, it's not merit based. It's not a one, like 
you screw up once the whole thing is like ruined kind of thing. Yeah. I think that the process of, I think it's, we make it a lot about the destination. Like you make it to your wedding night with, you know, your virginity intact or having not screwed up since this date or whatever. And that's like where the blessing is. And I think actually the blessing is a lot more on the journey Mm. of like continuously seeking God's forgiveness and like repenting and trying again and, um, giving it another try and like coming to him and, you know, confessing the fact that you really meant to do it this way, but you did it this way instead. And I just think that we make it a lot about the destination, showing up on your wedding night, having done things this way. And you just, we just cannot screw up God's plans like that. We just cannot, we cannot mess things up so bad that, that it's, that we're beyond God's ability to repair or redeem and, and grace and mercy because of Jesus, like don't run out. Right. And not that we should like abuse that, but at the same time, God is like, that's why we need Jesus is because we really, even when we're doing our best, we just really get it wrong. Yeah. I think that it's, we do, it's hard because it's important. Intimacy by definition is so piercing. It's meant to be because that's like on the positive side, that much more like meaningful on the negative side that me like it has the like ability to affect us more deeply than a lot of other sin. And it's not worse like in God's eyes, but I think it feels worse. And because of that, the perception around it, both in the church and then personally, just in our own lives is that it's, it's worse. And that's not true, but I, it feels that way. And so I think the process of, of persevering through forgiveness is real and it's a process. I think it's, it's, if that was like, if it's the kind of thing where you did, you had this goal to be a virgin until you got married and that didn't happen. Like that's, a, that's something to grieve. I think like, it's not just about shame. Like it's about understanding the process that you're going through and, and processing, you know, what this means in your life. And a lot of us have like, especially, you know, growing up in the church, have that as a part of your identity of like, I'm going to, I'm gonna, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. And this is the kind of person I am. And when that is no longer true, then it like really makes us ask some questions about, okay, who am I now? And am, am I completely ruined? Am I a completely different person? And the answer is no, but we have to ask those questions. But I think those are good questions to, to ask of, of going back to God. And, and so the, to like talk about how to forgive yourself for that, I think, going back and continuing to like push against the questions of identity and the questions of worth and the questions of value and to fight back against like shame and all of the lies that, that can come in when we screw up in whatever way, but especially with something so, so intimate. And so I think that like getting our, our, this is the, like, this is the garden of Eden, right? Our reaction is to run and to hide from God. And the correct response is to get closer to God and to go, okay, I know when we separate ourselves from God, we're so much closer to the lies and the things in our own head. When we press into God and we get close and quick, God, this is what I'm saying to myself. And this is what it feels like. But what are you actually saying about this? Where are you actually in this? And what do you actually think about me? And, and fighting the lies with the the truth of what God really thinks about you and what God really 
says is is true about you, I think is the best way to to get to that place of of forgiveness because it's not so much about getting like getting and you said this in the question, it's not so much about getting like God to forgive you or or things like that. It's like how do I forgive myself? And I think that that starts with realizing that God for, has forgiven you already. Next question. What one more thing on that. You're not alone in that. Oh, totally. Like I think that that's that's a huge piece of the shame. I remember having a conversation with a friend where she was like drowning in shame because she had crossed some boundaries with her boyfriend that she had set. And she was like, none of my friends are crossing these boundaries. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is hard for everybody. It's hard for everybody. And just like we sin in all kinds of different ways, and just like we fall short in all kinds of different ways, we also fall short in this area. All of us do. And, and I mean, okay, maybe that's not true, but I think that sometimes like, well, but, but not necessarily, not necessarily sexually, but I think there are all, we all make mistakes and we all have moments where we're not the person that we want to be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And like, even so, I think that for some of us, like maybe we keep the, we keep every single boundary, but sometimes I think we start to put our worth and our identity in those boundaries. Like we're not what what we do and we're not what we don't do. And so I feel like that's screwing up too. So we all like, this is just a whole thing and it is for all of us and it's really hard. Um, and so you are not, you have not screwed this up. You have not screwed this up beyond God's ability to repair or redeem and you're not alone. All right. All right. I've been really hurt in my dating life. And thanks to you, Stephanie, I'm taking this season to enjoy my single life to the full and I'm getting to the best place ever. I'm a little get a little scared to get back into dating because I always seem to attract the weirdest men. I, this is in parentheses. I mean, they're super weird. <laughs> and they're always the exact opposite of what I'm looking for. What do I need to correct about myself or in general to not attract these type of men anymore? First of all, I want to push back a little bit just to, around the language of like, what do I need to correct about myself like there are always things to like improve about ourselves i'm a big fan of like personal self-awareness and personal improvement and stuff like that but like you don't need to be fixed mm-hmm. just want to put that, that out there but what do you think how do you not attract weird men well i think that the fact that I think that who we, like, who is attracted to us doesn't actually say that much about us. Right. Like, uh, we all like different people for different reasons. And so it may feel like there's a pattern of, like, this pattern of guys likes me. But even, like, the same group of best friends who are exactly the same in so many ways all have different tasting guys. Mm -hmm. And so it may feel like there's a pattern, but I don't, I think that it's like more like correlation, like it's just this sort of happening rather than, I guess I use this wrong, but causation. So it's, it's not as much, I don't know how much of a pattern there is, but I yeah. do think my friend Hannah talks about this a lot in her dating life. She is a, a strong personality and a strong woman. And she would say that for the longest time, she would always date kind of like alpha male type guys and the relationship would always kind of be the same and they never really were working out. And so finally she came to the conclusion that she had to really try something that was out of her comfort zone and like try dating people who were different from who she always dated. And her husband, Tyler is the best. And he's uh, the opposite of her in a lot of ways in his personality, but he rounds her out in the best way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes when we're looking at our lives and something is not 
And we, we were like putting in the same equation and getting the same answer. Sometimes we need to really change the equation. Yeah. And so my question would be like, what, where, what kinds of places are you spending time in and what kind of ways are you meeting people? And maybe, you know, if you're online dating, maybe it's like trying a different site or maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's like changing up your profile a little bit because maybe something about your profile is, is really appealing to this certain type of guy that that's not who you're necessarily trying to appeal to. So maybe it's just changing the wording of it a little bit, or, you know, if you're always hanging out, I I think that if you're always like people hate on, hate on this a lot. And I mean, you can meet lovely people in all kinds of places, but like, if you're always hanging out in bars and you're always like, if you're, you know, drinking a ton all the time and the people around you are drinking a ton all the time, and you're just mostly hanging out in bars, you're going to meet like a group of people who, who that's what they're doing with most of their time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you move yourself to a different like location and you spend your time differently, you're going to be around people who spend their time that way instead. And so I would just kind of take a look at the the equation of who you're around and who you're spending time with and think about putting, you know, changing some pieces of that equation. But I don't think that the fact that guys that you're not necessarily attracted to are attracted to you, I don't think says much about you because that's true for everybody. Like people like us and we're, they're not necessarily what we're looking for. And that's true no matter who you are. So, yeah. I think that, yeah, the, what kinds of things and what kind of activities you're in proximity to have a lot to do with the kinds of people. And so one of the things that comes, comes up a lot in the course and in, and in every single moment is the, just idea of like, when you're pursuing the things that make you the best version of yourself, you are like putting yourself in a position to attract the people who are in the same kind of orbit and who are also doing the same kind of things. And who are also, you know, moving in the direction that makes them hopefully the best version of themselves. And so I think that's a big part of it. The other thing I'll say is that there's like, without knowing exactly like what weird men means, Mm -hmm. like there's unhealthy weird and that's like, okay, cool distance from that. But a little bit's like what Stephanie was talking about is that like, Weird may just mean different and weird may just mean quirky or something. And maybe it's worth giving some of those people a chance, mm-hmm. like the non-conventional choice for you or yeah. Unhealthy weird is different from different weird. And, and so. I, I think that the older we get, the more different weird is really good. You sure. know, like I just, the things that I thought made a person cool and interesting and, and great and worthy of, you know, pursuit in my eyes in like middle school were so stupid compared to like the, the people who I thought were weird are the people who are making amazing things in the world now and like changing things and dreaming up awesome companies and, and they're artists or they're, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that we, we have this idea of what like normal is for years and years and years. And I think that the older we get and the wiser we get, the more we see that it's actually the people who like, we're all weird mm-hmm. and that's a really good mm-hmm. thing. And, and you don't want to be with someone who's like, quote unquote, normal, because I think that that means that, I don't know, it's boring. Yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Carl as much as I am. I know I'm biased, but he's pretty awesome, right? I wanted to pop in for one quick second because our show would not be possible without our sponsors. And so I wanted to take a quick second to thank the company sponsoring us today. Our sponsor today is a company that I love. It's HelloFresh. Now, I know that lots of y'all have heard of them, but just in case you haven't, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can cook, eat, and enjoy. I love that. 
So some of you may already know this about me, but I'm not the best cook. When Carl and I got married, I could cook mac and cheese and pasta, and that's literally it. Now, while I've definitely gotten better, I still don't love meal planning or cooking. It's just not my gift. But that's why I love HelloFresh. First of all, with HelloFresh, there is something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly meals. You can even add extra sides to your weekly order, things like garlic bread and cookie dough. Yes, please. A few days ago, Carl and I made barbecue chicken tacos, and they were so good. And not only is the food great, but the process of making it is so easy. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe, and there's less waste. Plus, the recipes only take 30 minutes to make. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm a beginner in the kitchen, and even I can cook these recipes. They're simple, they come outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards, they walk you all the way through the whole thing, and it actually kind of feels like a cooking class. HelloFresh actually makes cooking fun. I love that, and I love that I get to spend way less time meal planning and grocery shopping and way more time around the table with people I love. So good, right? And of course, I love HelloFresh even more because they want to give you a promo code for 10 free meals. 10 free meals. Isn't that amazing? All you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash GirlsNight10 and use the promo code GirlsNight10 and they'll give you 10 free meals, including free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash GirlsNight10 and use the promo code GIRLSNIGHT10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We just love having you. All right, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Carl. When you and Carl were dating, how did you enjoy the rest of your dating season when you knew marriage was on the table? I know for a fact I have a proposal coming. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, and I want to enjoy our dating season, but I'm really getting itchy for the next step. And all my friends are getting engaged and married. So we talked to this a little bit before of like, it goes back to that very first question of like having interest even, you know, after you're married or things like that. But what do you think in terms of like, cause we've both been there of, we know that this is coming. We know this is the goal and we're on the same page about that, but like, we're not there yet. What do we do in the in-between? Not only because we want to make the most of our single life and, and every single moment, but also like every pre-marriage moment, but also the, like, how do you just stay like at a good pace mm-hmm. leading up to that? Right. Well, okay. So I remember so clearly I'm picturing it in my head right now, standing in my, my roommate Casey's bedroom, who's one of my dearest friends And we're talking about the fact that you and I are dating and we're talking about marriage and I'm so excited about marriage and I want to like just blaze through the dating season. And I remember specifically that Casey said, Steph, you only get to do this once. You only get to be Carl's girlfriend one time in life and you get to be married forever after this. But this is a really specific season where there's a lot for you to learn and a lot for you to do and um, a lot for you to experience that you don't get again. And the more that you invest in this time, you're, you're building a foundation that you're going to be able to build on top of with your marriage. But I think she, you know, I think she compared it to like, I don't know, building a house or something. She's like, if you build a house on toothpicks, like if you don't have a foundation, it's going to crumble. And Mm -hmm. where you're building your foundation of who you are as a couple is as you're dating, it's every day stacks onto each other. And the more we can invest in each day, the more we're building up this really great foundation. There's another story. And I tell this in love your single life, but so we, you and I met because we both took the opportunity to go travel around the world doing mission work. And I remember, you know, I mean, obviously that's like 
a dream come true, you know, to be traveling around the world. And, um, but I remember a couple months in feeling kind of homesick and, uh, I, you know, was missing out on all of the, I don't know, comforts of home, like running water and a bed of my own. And I mean, just like, there were just things that I was, there were a lot of things that were missing out on, but I remember like starting to think about them too much. And I remember we were sitting at at dinner one time with, you know, my team, we're talking about all the food back home that we're really missing. And like, I think we talked about like bagels. Oh, mine is always cheese. So we're, I had, we had like nine more months of this, this dream trip, but I'm already feeling my head going to the time when I got home. And I kind of let that happen for a while before I realized that this is crazy. I'm going to miss this year. I, and I don't get to do this again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to miss this. And then once I get home, if I'm still thinking ahead, I'm still going to be thinking ahead. So when I get home, I'm feeling like all this satisfaction and all this like goodness is going to show up when I get home and it will, but also I'm not going to feel satisfied because I'm still looking at the next thing. It's kind of like if you're trying to get healthier and like lose a couple pounds, you like, like, I just need to lose two pounds or something. You lose two pounds. And then the second you get there, you want to lose two more. It's, it's like the carrot just keeps moving. The, the, the goal keeps moving. And so what I decided to do while I was on that trip was, um, and we, this is a whole exercise in the course, but, um, I made a list on my phone where every time I thought about something from home, I would write it down. And I, I felt like I was sort of extracting it from my brain saying like, listen, this is a good thing, but this is just not for today. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put this over here. And then as much as I could, I would try to forget about it. And then as much as I could, I would try to be really present, really absorbing the goodness and the gifts that I was, that were given to me today. And I really feel like I was able to do that. I started, you know, we, you know, we talk about this in the course, counting gifts. Um, it's from, uh, Ann Voskamp's book, a thousand gifts, And I I started writing down in a little notebook, like all the things I was grateful for. And it was like coffee, uh, tea, time with my friends, a good night's sleep, you know, a a good shower, like just all these things, being really grateful for where I was and then trying to set aside for another time, the things that I was excited for, but just Mm -hmm. weren't for today yet. And really, I think that what happened because of that is that I was able to really soak in that time while I was traveling. Then when I got home, I was able to sort of unwrap all these gifts that I'd saved for tomorrow. And I was able to really enjoy them. And then I was able to do the, like be present and really enjoy whatever was next. And I feel like that is a discipline Yeah. to keep your heart and your brain where your feet are. But I think that when we do that, there's always going to be the temptation to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think that when we do that, we're missing out on what, on the gifts that are there for us today. I think mine is, is similar, but kind of a different, different facet of that, or like a different perspective on that. And it's don't, there are, there are some things that are for marriage and there's some things that we think I'm going to wait until I'm there to do this thing. And you don't actually have to, like, you can start new things before you get like in that season, right? Like where, right when we first started dating, I left for two weeks and went to Cambodia and Thailand because I wanted to, and I was like going to, I had, I had this trip planned and and I wanted to actually, I think I started planning it while we were like, when we started dating, maybe, I don't know, but it was, it was something like that. But like, I could have said, Oh, I started dating this person. And like two weeks is a long time to be gone right at the beginning of a relationship. Like, I don't want to mess that up. But like, no, like I, this was something that like I wanted to do to like go and experience, you know, 
it was this, I don't know how to explain what, why we were going, but we were going to like visit and, and look at different nonprofits in, in Cambodia and Thailand. So I had this just desire to go and, and do this thing. And so I could have said, oh, I want to wait and do this with you. And that wouldn't have been wrong, but also like, I didn't have to, I didn't have to wait. And I think that there are all kinds of things that were like, oh, well, I can't start doing whatever this thing is. I can't join this thing because I'm engaged in like, who knows, but like, just go for it and start doing the thing. And like the other person, like back to before, will either be super supportive and like support you in that and say like, yeah, I love that you do that or they'll come along. And that's great too. But you don't have to, your life doesn't have to be on hold until, you know, you get married or, or get engaged or whatever it is. Yeah. Keep living your life. Okay. We got shorter answers here. Ooh. Always. Always, always shorter answers. When was the moment or moments you realized you wanted to marry each other? For me, there were two. And they were... Want? We gotta hurry. Okay. So many questions. Uh, I think that, you know, when we started dating, we were dating for honestly not that long, like a couple weeks. And I I knew... we. I think we both knew pretty quickly that we wanted to marry each other because we had dated and we'd done a lot of work figuring out who we are. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't totally know, like, it was sort of like coming up with a hypothesis and then you have to test it. Like our hypothesis was, I think that there's something really special about this person. This, this person has the things that I know I've been looking for because I did the work to figure out what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Then there was, you know, kind of testing the hypothesis and being like, cause, cause you know, people are different in the first 10 days of a relationship than they are. You know, I mean, you have to kind of try it out or, or get to know each other better to find out if, if, you know, what you were thinking in the beginning was right. But I think that that's how it was for us is we knew pretty quickly because we had, we had done a lot of work and figured out a lot of things about who we are and what we were looking for. And we dated a lot. And so when we got, when we started dating each other, we were going, oh my gosh, like there's a lot of things in you that I was really looking for. Yeah. Yeah. The the shift for me happened. uh, There's that kind of stuff of, of having dated other people and, and just made mistakes and, and you learn what doesn't work and, and stuff like that. But also the difference for me came with the realization that I may never know who, like I may never find the perfect person who checks every box and is like all of the things that I've been looking for. And I may not have all of the answers and my, like whether this is the right person or not may not be super clear, but I don't think it's ever going to be like, crystal clear, perfect. And maybe it is for other people. It wasn't for me, but I don't want to ask the question anymore. And if I have to figure it out with anyone, I want to figure it out with her. So it was less of like epiphany and more of decision. Like this person is from everything that I can tell, this person is the person that I want to answer these questions with. And I don't know that saying that way doesn't seem that romantic, but like, (laughs) but like but it's i think just the realization that like it it isn't yeah you don't have this like i don't think for me at least this like magical moment where the clouds open up and the sun shines down and it's like this is your person it's like i think that this like i want this to be the person Mm. and so and i think that they can i think that you can be and so the rest of it is effort. Like it doesn't just happen. The rest of it is like, we're going to do this together and make this happen. Yeah. I think it's like, it was less realizing that this is the person and more deciding, like, I want you to be the person. Yeah. yeah. It, I think, yeah, there may, I don't know. It, it's different for everyone. And maybe some people like 
you have like one person and God has ordained this one person. And that's great. If that's, if that's you, I don't believe that's true. Like, I think that there, for me, I think that you have a, like, there are a lot of options in life and some of them are happier and some of them are more successful and some of them are, you know, whatever, but that like you make the success of your relationships with all of the other things that you put into them. And so going like a, with like, may not get this, you know, divine singular word, but God says like, you know what I say is healthy. You know who I say is, is good. And you know, who looks like me, you know, who's good for you. And so like, take that and run with it. Hmm. All right. Not sure if this is asked but my question is, do you just have to like their person or do you have to like the family? Oh, the, oh, person. The, the person. Um, I know there are a lot of layers to this, but I would love some insight. So how important is the rest of the stuff that comes with the person? I would say if they're, if you get along with their family and if you like their family, it makes life so much easier, mm-hmm. but we cannot control our families. Right. And while our families sometimes do give, our families always give some insight into who we are. Like knowing someone's family helps you understand why they are the way that they are. Mm-hmm. That being said, a person is not necessarily a carbon copy of their family. Um, they may have come from a really broken family and they've done so much work to get healthy so that they're not repeating those patterns in the future. And so I think that, you know, our families give a lot of insight to who we are and how we've gotten to where we are today. But I don't think that you should write someone off because they come yeah. from a broken family. We can't control our families. Yeah. If you really love someone, I would have a really hard time personally imagining a scenario. And they, I think that they exist where there's just really unhealthy situations and you got to do ultimately what's you know healthiest for you. But for the most part, I would have a really hard time with the idea of like, I really think I should be with this person. I love this person, but I'm not going to marry them because of their family. Like that would just, it would just take a lot. And like I said, it may exist, but it would just take a lot. I think I never really thought about this before, but I, I don't, there's like the whole thing of like, you're not just marrying the person, you're marrying their family. And that's, I don't, that's not true. Actually, (laughs) like you're just marrying that person and you have to hang out with their family a lot. And like, they will be a big part of your life, but you are not married to them. Yeah. You're married to the person that you're married to. And the two of you will have all kinds of things in life and other relationships that will be challenging, but you get to do it together. So knowing that there will always be hard things in life, I think worry more about who you want to do, whatever the hard thing is with, rather than what the hard thing is. Mm, That's good. I love that. Um, This is a pretty quick one, I think. I read it. Okay. Uh, so I've dated a lot in my life and my boyfriend has not. I'm his first girlfriend. And at, f- at first I thought that, that was weird, but it hasn't been at all because I've dated, I've really figured out what I'm looking for in a husband and feel so strongly that he is that person. I'm pretty certain he feels the same way, but he hasn't dated around to figure that out. Is that something to worry about or is that just sweet? I think it's just sweet. There's different <laughs> personality types. Some people date a lot and other people don't. And sometimes that's the same for both people. Like I have some good friends that they both were like high school sweethearts and they were the first person they ever dated. They just stayed and got married and they've been married for a long time and they're great. They're like super in love and that's okay. There's nothing wrong. And I don't think they ever ask like, what if, and there's other people who date a lot of people and then find the right person and they get married and and things are great. And sometimes it's one of each and, and that's okay. It's different types of people are different. And for some people it takes, it's, you know, a longer process and they need more options and other people. No, I'm good. 
I think this goes back to exactly what you're saying. And this is like a great picture for it is at some point you're going to have to let go of the what ifs of Mm -hmm. at some point, no matter whether you've dated one person or a hundred people, there are still 8 billion people on the world, like on this earth. And so you're never, ever going to get to try dating everybody before you make a decision. At some point you're making a decision with the information you have. So I think that that's what you were saying Mm -hmm. is like, at some point, you know, you had a friend ask you, aren't you worried that there's like another girl in the world that's better for you? And you said, I don't care. I want her. And so I think that that's that's, more romantic. That is a more romantic. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you normally tell it. Um, but I think that, yeah, it's like at some point you have to decide, like, I'm done looking. And whether you've looked a ton or whether you've worked, looked not at all, you're never going to have looked and seen every person in the world. And so at some mm-hmm. point you're just going with with what you know. Yeah. Okay. What's one thing or a few that you're really thankful you did to prepare for marriage before, during dating, while engaged, whatever? What do you wish you did differently or improved on during those seasons? I'm really glad. I'll pick one of each and you can pick okay. one of each. I'm really glad that I went to therapy hmm. before we were dating, while we were dating, since we've been married. Yeah. <laughs> I just think we all, no matter what has happened to us in life, we've all been bumped into or we've bumped into things. We've all been hurt, wounded, scarred in different ways. Sometimes those scars are really deep. Sometimes they're mm-hmm. surface scars. They still hurt. Yeah. And the, the I've learned that the healthier you can be as an individual, the healthier your marriage is. It like brings the level of health up in your, in your marriage. And a lot of the things that sometimes come between you as a couple, the things you fight about, the way you fight is just unhealth on one of your sides um, or the other. It's not even necessarily about you together. It's one of you is bringing in this expectation or fear or doubt or insecurity or whatever. That's what you're fighting about. So I think that you can't change your spouse. You can't single-handedly fix anything in your relationship. But what you can do is you can bring your healthiest self to the table. And I know that every time I've invested in myself in any way, but I think specifically in counseling, I've been able to work through some of the things that like just would have been harder that we would have fought about that we didn't have to fight about because I wasn't living under this with that particular bit of brokenness anymore. Yeah. Um, something I think I wish I did more was, and this is super easy to say, it's much harder to do. I wish I would have worried less. Like, I just wish if I could, and we've talked about this. I think we talk about it both in every single moment and in my course, if I could go back and like give myself some advice, I would look for, you know, however many years ago at every stage, I would say like, worry less and enjoy life more, like savor this, have fun, like be present, go hang out with your girlfriends, like go on that date. It's okay if it's horrible. Like just whether, no matter how the thing that you're worrying about turns out, worrying about it never helps. Mm -hmm. And I think that I just took a lot of years of my life, like worrying about, you know, just different relationships or what if he doesn't show up or whatever. Like, I think I just would have wish, I wish I would have lived my life. Like it was all going to turn out. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I am really glad. I think similarly for just investing in my own personal and, and spiritual growth of, of having a mentor and, and doing things like traveling and, and stuff like that, that got me out of my comfort zone. So I think, yeah, experiencing new and different things and things that made me scared, things that made me nervous, things that were uncomfortable, whatever, but just taking that risk because what's on the other side is, is 
a deeper understanding of yourself and a deeper appreciation of, of, I think for me, the, the world and seeing all of, all of that and, and just discovering those parts of yourself, you start to see and, and understand not only, you know, what kind of things you'd like in a person, but what you need. And, and you can be really honest. And I think that's a big part of it is seeing like, oh, I know that I need this thing, or I know that this is a weakness for me and I'm okay with that. But like, this is a real part of who I am and, and working through some of those things and also just learning to live with the fact that we're not perfect people. One of the things I wish I would have done more actually is, is, um, I think just spend more time with, with my friends and, and be more intentional with, with friendship, even like, it wasn't bad, but just like even more of really, really being intentional and, and taking advantage of those seasons of singleness. And I, I don't just say that, like, I'm not saying that because of the book, it's in the book because it's true. And worrying less about, am I, you know, do I have a, a girlfriend? Am I dating somebody? Whatever. And worrying more about like, am I building relationships that are going to last a, a really long time? And I do have those. Like, luckily it's, it's really great. But like most of the people that you date are not going to be a part of your life and they're not going to work out. Like, unless you just date the one person, at least 50% of the people that you date are never like, it's going to fail. So how about instead spending like investing more in relationships that might actually succeed. My mind is blown. <laughs> okay. I've never thought about it. My mind is blown. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Let's do one more question. Oh like, man. There's one really easy one. I don't know anything about this, but you do have a little bit of insight and there's actually something, something in the course about this too, but like, um, so it's about, one, but we'll, we'll do another one. Cause this is kind of specific. Okay. Um, so it's about recommendations for dating sites to yeah. try. I was wondering, do you have any recommend? Recommendations for dating sites to try. I've tried out some sites, but I haven't had no success with online dating. Also, do you have any suggestions on how to encourage guys to get over the hurdle and try asking girls out on dates? I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, so maybe I have thoughts, but that's all right. You can have a kind of a halfway answer, but like, it's how do I navigate hanging out with the opposite sex with someone I'm not interested in dating? More, more, the more important question is, can men and women just be friends? And should I spend time hanging out with male friends? I don't know if men and women can just be friends. Some can but there's levels there's layers and that's important like there's nuance and once it's different when you're single too like if you're single and you have a friend who's the opposite sex like all right i can kind of like that's okay once you're married i think it's pretty hard to have like to have a friend who's the opposite sex and and unnecessary on some level like that's not totally fair but i think for us it's just like i don't know don't need it we just watched When Harry Met Sally. The it's, part of the movie. Yeah, and it's if you guys haven't seen it, you should really go watch it. Um, and it's it's like will kind of make you giggle because it that's like what they talk about the whole time. Yeah. But I mean, there is some there is some truth to it. You know, it's hard to. A lot of times, one person wants more than friendship, and right. that's really hard. And it's really hard to come back from that. And it's not impossible. Like I have, I had guy friends when I was single there were very few where there wasn't at least like, could you like me? Could I like you? Mm -hmm. I still have, we, you still have friends, women or friends that are women. I still have friends that are men. Usually they're married to another friend of ours. And usually we don't spend like, we don't spend like one-on-one quality time with people of opposite sex. I think it's just, I don't know. It doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't come up. Yeah. Um, But the other question of how do you, navigate hanging out with someone if that if you think that that person likes you or you know that person likes you it's really hard to stay friends it just is so like 
you can ignore it, you can avoid it, but really at some point you're going to have to say like, I'm not that interested. I'm like, I'm not interested. And you're going to have to like do the friend zone thing. And it's like, then roll with the punches of whatever happens, but it's, and it's hard and it's unfortunate, but like, that's the reality of any relationship. Like even relationships, you both like each other. Even if you realize that one person likes each other way more than the other person, there's a balance that's there. And when it comes to friendship, if that balance is off, it's just going to, eventually it's going to not like not work out super well. I think in my experience. Yeah. But should I spend time hanging out with male friends? You should spend time hanging out with male friends that you might want to date. And you should spend time hanging out with male friends in groups of people because they might bring friends who you might want to date. So if you're interested in dating men, hanging out with men is a good idea. I think it's like where it gets tricky when it comes to friendship with men is when it's like you guys are best friends and you guys are each each other's person. And like, you're always talking, like I hung out with groups of guys all the time. I had groups of guy friends and that's where I met guys I liked and wanted to date. Like that's really fine and fun when you are single. And it's a great way to meet people. It's a really fun time. I think it, it gets in a tricky, a tricky zone, whether you're like, it's tricky regardless when someone of the opposite sex is your person. Yeah. Because how in the world are you supposed to date someone else? Well, Cause you're yeah. the person you date is supposed to become your person. And you might always compare the person you're dating to this person who knows you way better and you feel way more comfortable yeah. with. Like it can kind of stunt your dating life or it can be something you guys really fight about. Like, you want one guy to be your person. And so in order to, for that to happen, you have to have this, that spot open and available. Yeah. The other hard part about it is that in the same way, like there are different facets of intimacy and you may be preparing yourself to be really hurt by letting some like with emotional intimacy with somebody like that. And it's sneaky because you don't necessarily realize it's happening and you're in it and it's hard, but like, you it's it can be just as painful and just as as tricky to navigate as like as sexual intimacy when you have that like closeness with someone and i think it you're like oh this is just a really really good friend but also there is a certain level of like i think we somewhere deep down like no this is probably too close this is probably like an unhealthy level of like closeness for us to not be dating yeah, I think that the level of intima- of of emotional intimacy with someone of the opposite sex specifically yeah. should match your level of commitment to each other. Right. Like as like as you go deeper into commitment. So like the person you're married to, you should be like the closest possible. Like next step is engaged, next step is seriously dating, next step is kind of dating, next is like <laughs> it's but I kind of dating and that just seriously dating? Well, no, I mean like newly dating or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that it like Speaking from experience, it's really, it gets really messy really fast. So I think you can have guy friends, but I think that they can't, like, can't be, if you're, if they are your go-to person, that's either going to have to change at some point for when someone else comes into your life or his life, or it's going to get really messy or yeah. Ugh, guys, I'm, I'm just- In the meantime, how much time and space do I give to a super introverted or shy guy friend I'm interested in before I ask him to coffee after church. Everyone tells me to go for it, but it took us a year and a half to converse easily. Is it wrong to assume that if he's interested, he'll get there? No, it's not wrong, but also it may not be right. Like he may not get there. So I'd say it was okay to like, if you're interested, you can let it be known. And that kind of goes to one of the other questions. Like, how do I let a guy know that I'm interested in him? And this is a whole nother conversation that I'm not super equipped to answer, but also 
as a guy, have some insight. Um, a lot of times it doesn't take a whole lot, depending on the, the guy. Like, flirting is an interesting thing. If I don't have enough time to talk about, like, how to flirt, and I think that would be, I don't know. We talk about that in the course. It's in the course, for sure. I think being a little bit, like, be you. Be you in, like, the most you way you know how to be, and you will, like, find the person. So if you're a really forward, direct person, like, you don't want to trick somebody into going on a date with you, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. So don't be something else to get the person to go on a date and then show up as you and they're like, oh, this isn't the person who I like thought I was going on a date with. So if you're really forward and direct, it's okay to be forward and direct and then like, and say, I think you're cute. Would you like to go on a date and see if the guy wants to go on a date? Because like, at least you're being you mm-hmm. and like putting it out there. And if that's hard for you, like do the thing that you feel like I come back to this, I keep coming back to this thing of like, be doing the thing. I, the other night we did the book launch for Steph's book. And I like, I feel like this is the most divine wisdom I've gotten in a while. But like <laughs> the, the analogy that I gave was that men are like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. If you've seen Jurassic Park, you know what I'm talking about. But when they're in the car, the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex is there and he says, don't move. Cause if you don't move, he can't see you. And that's how guys are. If you're not moving, if you're not doing something, it may be really hard for guys to notice you. And it's not, I don't mean physically, although that may be part of it, but like if you are active in life and you're pursuing things and you are passionate about things and you're chasing after life, it's a lot easier for a guy to take notice and want to like want to come alongside that than if you're just standing still and waiting. So whatever that looks like for you, pursue life and you like people notice. I think for me, the question is how long do you wait for someone who hasn't asked you to wait? Mm. And I have spent a lot of time waiting for someone who, for people who haven't asked me to wait for them. Mm. And that's, if I could go back and give myself a couple pieces of advice, that would be one of them is like, until someone has asked you to save their seat or asked for a seat, like you don't save it for them. And so I think that if you are, like, don't save him the seat. He hasn't asked you to. And that's really hard. It's really hard to like do that in our hearts. But if you want to find, like, if you want some clarity, if you want to be like, listen, I, I want to give you this seat. If you want this seat, I want to give it to you. And I want it like, I want to give this the best shot possible. Then I think you can ask him to coffee. You don't have to ask him to like be your boyfriend. You can just say, Hey, do you want to go get a cup of coffee? That's not that crazy or intimidating or anything like that. But I think that like, if you're like, I can't move on until I know if he, if, if this could have happened, then, then I would say, do something about it. Or you can just sort of let it lie, but you need to be moving on in yeah. your own, in your own head. Because I think that a lot of times we, I specifically save spots for people who, who haven't asked for them. People think it just happens in like movies and stuff, but I know people this has happened to in real life where they like somebody and they didn't get the courage to ask the person out until they found out that that person had gone on a date with someone else. Like, oh, not only, like, is she interested in dating people, but if I don't do something, she's going to date somebody else. And so I have to, like, figure it out. But that's back to the thing of, like, if you're sitting and waiting, that's not going to, like, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. If you are doing the things that you want to be doing and you are moving, people will notice. Yeah. Carl, would you, I'm going to put you on the spot, would you pray for us as we, (laughs) yeah, he knew I was going to. Yeah, would you pray for us just, and for all the women listening and- like 
just you got to use more prayer in our life. Yeah. Okay. God, thank you so much um, for the the role that you play in our lives at every stage of our lives, that you are going ahead of us and that you're behind us and you're next to us in all the things that we're doing, that you are present when we know it or not, that you are working and active in our lives when we know it and when we don't, that your spirit is real and, and with us. And we ask that in times of, of joy, your spirit just is there to give us joy and magnify joy in our lives in times of um, waiting and times that are hard. Your spirit is there giving us um, comfort and compassion and perseverance for the good things that we know are, are coming. We trust you with the plans that you have for our lives. And we ask for both forgiveness and faith in the places where we don't trust you yet. And so we just thank you for being bigger than us, for being bigger than our worries, for being bigger than our sins, for being bigger than our mistakes, for being bigger than our fears or our, you know, ability to see what's coming uh, down the road. But you have really good things in store for all of us. And it may not be what we think it will look like, but always it's better. And so we're grateful. We just ask that you continue to, to use this season, uh, every season in our life to build community, to build friendships, to build closeness with you and that we would take advantage um, and make the most of whatever, whatever you bless us with. You, so many things that we don't think of as blessings in the moment you call blessings and you say, these are good things, like just wait and see. And so give us comfort and strength in the waiting and seeing, but faith for the blessing that's coming at the end of it. We love you. And yeah, thanks. Amen. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Carl, thank you so much for being here. Oh, well, thanks for inviting me. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode once a new one is released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you so much to all of you who have already left those beautiful five-star reviews. I can't tell you how much it means to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And I have to tell you, you are going to love this one. See you then.